Again, our, our lesson title, hallelujah, you, you can be seated this morning. Again, our, our lesson title is simply Amazing Grace. And if you've been in church any amount of time, I'm sure you've heard more than your fair share of, of messages and songs about grace. And, and I'm not saying that anything that you've heard is, is wrong. But I do believe that the modern church has a twisted idea of exactly what grace is. I was listening to a, a podcast this week, and, and the preacher said, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you my main point for this lesson. So if you happen to fall asleep, you still hear what you need to hear. <clears throat> so I'm going to borrow from that this morning because this is some good teaching, but I don't want to put you to sleep. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you exactly what, what our main point of the lesson is this morning. So that way, if you fall asleep, at least you get that much. All right. Are you listening? Y'all ready? Grace is a teacher. All right. Y'all, y'all bear with me now. Grace is a teacher. And I know that might mess with your theology for a minute, but, but hear me out. I remember a time, it's been several years ago, but, um, I remember a time I was going to Whitfield Community College and one class that I had to take was calculus. And I'm going to tell you now, uh, I've had a lot of teachers in my life. And I, when I tell you this teacher was bad, he was bad. All right, in all my years, I don't believe I've ever had anyone as inadequate as a teacher as this guy was. And I'm not just talking bad about him, all right? <clears throat> the very first day of most college classes, uh, the, the instructor will present you with something called a syllabus. And the syllabus is basically an outline or a paper that will tell you what the goals and the purpose of the class is that you're taking. Kind of lays it out, says, this is what you're going to learn, this is, this is what we're going to cover in this semester. And so when reading that syllabus before this instructor came in, everything seemed fine. But when the teacher began to explain to us what was going to happen during that semester, the first words that he said to his entire class was, chances are most of you in here are not going to pass this class. <clears throat> I said, hmm, man. And I, I don't care if you quit school or if you have a college education. Every one of us in this building is smart enough to know that if you want people to learn, if you, if you want them to, to understand something new, that's exactly the opposite of how you should handle that situation. <clears throat> so this instructor's methods uh, did not foster an atmosphere of learning, but instead that created in all of us a, a sense of hopelessness that nothing I can do will help me pass this class. <clears throat> and needless to say, he failed everybody in that class that semester. And that was his last semester teaching at Whitfield Community College. They fired him. Okay. So unlike that teacher, you see, grace is a teacher, but it wants us to succeed. All right. Grace is a teacher that through the preached word and the power of conviction, it calls us to change. You see, grace has no authority or no power in your life without that call to change. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6, he tells us, uh, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that, that grace might more abound? <clears throat> All right? And he says, God forbid. How, how shall we that are dead in sin live any longer therein? Uh, so with the giving of grace, there is a call to change. So your short answer this morning on what grace is, is grace is a teacher that requires us to change. And so now you can, you can go to sleep or, you know, if we, if we don't get any more into the lesson out of this, at least you heard that much. Okay. And our opening scripture says that uh, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. 
And so does that mean that because of grace, all men are saved? Because grace has appeared to all men and grace brings salvation? All right, these are good questions that, that people are going to ask, that the world is filled with these questions of, you know, if grace brings salvation and grace has appeared to all men, does that mean that all men are saved? <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 5, tells us that it is by grace through faith we are saved. So even when we're dead in sin... It made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up and seated us together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Paul is telling the church at Ephesus that it was by grace they have been saved. So one thing to understand is this church at Ephesus was a a very powerful and a strong church. And it was filled with people that were striving for perfection. They, they were trying to draw closer to the Lord. They were, they were doing some great things. They, they were trying to do the work of the Lord. <clears throat> and the next verse says, So then in the coming ages, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by Christ, or by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So if grace is a teacher, how were they saved by grace through faith? Y'all with me this morning? I don't see nobody asleep, so that's a good sign. All right. You see, it is my faith in God that gives me the desire to change things that he reveals to me because I can trust him. It's through my faith in God that I develop a trust in him and in his means and his methods. And for one reason, I got to have faith that he is who he says he is. And the second reason is I got to have faith that he has a plan for my life. So my faith in Him gives me access to grace that is a teacher that shows me those things that I need to change. You may say that's a stretch, but if we go back to our opening scripture, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth us salvation has appeared unto all men. Verse 2 says, Teaching us. So grace that has appeared to all men that's bringing salvation is going to teach us. All right? It's going to teach us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. All right? Told you you hadn't heard that before, didn't you? Uh-huh. Okay. <clears throat> it says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So how can grace teach us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust? And it is through the preached word and the power of conviction that grace can create in us a desire to change. That's why Paul said in Ephesians that should I continue in sin that grace may abound, God forbid. All right? And and prior to that, it says where sin did abound, you know, grace did much more abound. And then Paul says, should that mean, you know, should I go ahead and keep sinning then so that there's more grace? And that's because people have a twisted view of what grace is. And and the biggest problem with the world and their perception of grace is is they believe that grace gives us permission to do whatever we want and repent, and it's covered by grace. All right? But the simple fact is, and, and I mean, this might be deep as a parking lot rain puddle, as Pastor says, but if grace covers our sins, then there was no need for blood. All right? If grace covers our sins, there was no need for a blood sacrifice. All right? If grace covers our sins, 
then, then why did Jesus have to die? All right? Grace cannot forgive sins. Grace cannot cover sins. Because grace is simply a teacher that can teach us to prevent sin. Okay? You see, they're confusing grace and mercy. Uh, Mercy is the reason that we don't face judgment in this life for our failures. Uh, Mercy is the reason that people can do the same things over and over again. and, And God still forgives them and allows them into His presence. You see, mercy is sitting at the table with Jesus and knowing in your heart that you're about to betray Him. Mercy is Judas literally sitting at the Last Supper with Jesus, knowing in his heart that he's made up his mind, I'm going to do it, I'm going to betray him. But God did not remove him from his presence. He didn't kick him out. He didn't make him face judgment for those thoughts and intents of his heart. Because mercy is giving us every opportunity to change. And grace will teach us how. All right? Come on. You look at, if you need even more evidence, look at the thief on the cross. All right? Mercy was Jesus in the last moments of his life, not placing judgment on this man, but offering him an opportunity to redeem himself, to to change even in those last moments of his life. But yet, we can look at it as grace because it teaches us that no one is too far gone. Because grace teaches us that no one is out of reach. That that even in the last moments of their life, that God can still reach them. Hallelujah. It teaches us that we can always reach and there's never anyone too far if they're hungry. That's the thing. If you're not hungry, then you, you are outside of the bounds of God's mercy or His grace. Mercy is is us not getting what we deserve. And grace teaches us how to not deserve it. Grace is conviction that we feel, that that moves us to change. We're all familiar with the story of of John Newton. I think we mentioned it a couple weeks ago. I I can't remember if it was Brother Justin or Pastor that mentioned uh, John Newton. But he was a man that was beyond troubled. Uh, not just from his past and the things that he had to endure as a child, but uh, by his present circumstances as well. He was working on a slave ship. And the story says that there was a storm where they thought that all was lost. And in the midst of that storm, he began to pray. And, and God revealed to him the wrong he was doing, and it forever changed his life. All right? That, that, that is, that, that's grace that appeared to him. And, and he went on to write hundreds of songs, but the one that we know the best is Amazing Grace. And just reading the words of the very first stanza, we see amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. In his darkest moments, one with him being blind to the sins he was living in by the trading of of slaves, we find that grace appeared to him not to forgive him. Grace didn't cover his sins and hide them. Grace revealed his sin to him. It it taught him that there was a better way. And it it showed him that there was a path to a better life of righteousness. Are y'all still with me this morning? Okay. It's been often said, and and I've even said it myself, when when seeing someone struggling with addiction or, or struggling with different things that I was delivered from, you know, we say it, and it's been said by, by many people, but for the grace of God, there go I. 
Anybody ever heard that said? <clears throat> and we just read that the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. So, so how is it that, that God's grace that has appeared to all men seemed to, to work in our situation, but it seemingly fell short of their situation? And we know that Paul said that God spoke to him and said that his grace was sufficient. Paul said, I had this thorn in my flesh and I prayed three times that God would remove it from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. In other words, God was telling him, look, I've got some things I'm going to teach you in, in this situation. I've got some things that you need to learn about falling short. But if God's grace is sufficient, how can we fall short? We know it's possible to fall short. Paul tells us in Hebrews, see to it that no one falls short of God's grace. And the no root of resentment springs up and, and causes trouble and by it many be defiled. That, that's the amplified version if, if it doesn't sound familiar to you. But that's what it says. See that no man falls short of the grace. So if this grace is sufficient and it's appeared to all men, how can we fall short? How is it possible? And we fall short of grace the same way that we fail a class. By not allowing ourselves to be taught or by not having a teachable spirit. We, God's grace can't do anything in your life if you're not hungry, if you're not willing and obedient to be taught. If we're not willing to hear and to learn and to be changed, it does me no good to, to take a, a calculus class if I don't learn anything from it. I might make an A in the class, and if I didn't learn anything from it, it's not changed me. I've not benefited anything from it. So the trials and the problems and the situations we go through in life, uh, a lot of times that's God's grace that's trying to teach us in those situations. Pastor preached on purpose for 127 weeks. And I, I still don't think we ever got to the end of, of purpose. But it was that resistance and that pressure that, that drives the sail, that propels us forward. But if, we're not, if we don't allow ourselves to be changed in that process and to learn in that process, then we can be fixated on the wrong purpose. And, and quite simply, nothing in life comes into order naturally on its own. Nothing in life. Uh, there is a very interesting law. You can look it up. You can Google it if you want to. But the third law of thermodynamics tells us that things move naturally from order to disorder. We, it's all around us. I mean, a car naturally rusts and breaks down. Uh, our cell phones, they, they just, through use, they, they get slower and they bog down. And computers are the same way. And, and bread becomes stale and then it becomes moldy because things naturally deteriorate. And spiritually, our life decomposes without the grace of God. Because we've said it before, the day that we stop learning is the day we start dying. All right, I, I want to have a teachable spirit. I want grace to be able to work on me and teach me the things that I need to, to rid my life of ungodliness and worldly lusts. Hallelujah. And we've all heard it said that... Uh, and I know I'm kind of jumping around, but we're, we're talking about grace. And we've all heard it said that we live in the dispensation of grace. We, we've all probably heard it preached that the New Testament, by the, the death of Jesus Christ, then there was a remission or a forgiveness of sins at that point on. So we didn't have to face judgment for our sins in that moment. 
now our sins could be forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we, and we consider that the dispensation of grace because, in, unfortunately, English does a terrible job of translation. There's a lot of things that we translate and we read in English that the words just don't have the depth and the meaning that they did when we read them in Hebrew. So when we say a dispensation of grace, now if you look at Webster, it defines grace as like unmerited favor. And so, yes, we are living in a dispensation of God's unmerited favor because we don't have to face the judgment for, for things that we do in this life. I, and I keep in mind, I'm not saying I know we reap what we sow. All right, I understand that. All right, but God is not placing judgment on any of us in this moment for the sins that we've committed that are in our life. We might be reaping what we sowed, but that's not God placing his hand of judgment upon us. There will not be a judgment until the judgment. Okay? But this dispensation of grace, it's not just exclusive to the New Testament. All right? It's not some New Testament revelation. If you look into the Old Testament, Genesis tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. It was the grace of God that, that tore the skins off of animals to provide a bloody covering for Adam and Eve. All right? When grace knocked on the door, it did so to teach Adam and Eve things about godliness. Now, the teaching element of grace is found again in the next generation when we witness Cain and Abel offering a sacrifice with understanding and the significance of blood. They had to hear about that somewhere. <clears throat> when grace knocked on Noah's door, uh, Noah got a hundred-year job. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> grace put him to work. Grace taught Noah to build an ark to become a preacher of righteousness. And grace led Noah to the salvation of his family. If you want your family to be saved, you better have a teachable spirit. All right? Don't be so arrogant to think, I've got this under control, and I know what direction I'm going. Mm-mm. Uh-uh. we got to allow God to, to work on us and to, to teach us and change us. But grace gave Noah a solution in a world filled with wickedness and violence. And the Bible tells us that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the last days. So it is in this day. The Bible says men done what they thought was right in their own eyes. Are we not living in that generation? And the solution that grace presented Noah, or in Noah's day, was to destroy every living thing upon the earth. While bringing salvation to the righteous, so shall it be in our day. So shall it be in this day. Grace has presented us with an opportunity to be taught how to not fall trapped to those things. To not be part of that generation that will be destroyed. Pastor preached it a, a year or more ago. That uh, I don't even think I was here, but I, I remember parts of the of the lesson that we heard, talking about everything that we're sitting on, everything we're holding on to, everything that we have is going to burn. I don't want to be a part of those things. I want to be a part of God's kingdom. Hallelujah! And the only way I can do that is if grace can teach me to deny ungodliness and to step away from ungodliness. Grace did not tell Noah and, and those people that they were all right in their sin. Grace didn't tell them, you just got to believe and everything's going to be okay. 
Because that's simply masking the sin problem. Grace instructed the building of an ark. And grace bought a voice of righteousness to the world. And grace is God trying to teach us in these last days that we need to be that voice. He's teaching us through the signs of the times that are all around us that time is short and we need to be reaching and not silent. Grace is teaching us the places to go, the things to do, how we should act as the church, how that we should present ourselves as a holy people, a peculiar people. That's what grace is all about. Grace is not here to sweep your sins under the rug and say you've done your best and grace will do the rest. That's not what grace is about. Grace is teaching us to roll back the rug and expose some things in your life and let him have control of them. Get them out of the house. Get out of your life. Remove those things from you that's going to destroy you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The solution that's presented by grace in this day is to come out from among them. Be separate and touch not the unclean thing. Unfortunately, in today's society, nobody wants to put in the work. Nobody wants to put any effort into living for God. But grace requires work. It requires that teachable spirit. You see, Adam and Eve were naked and ashamed in their sin. And you know what they did? They went to work. All right? They did what they could to cover their shame. Immediately, as soon as their eyes was open, they grabbed what they had right there and began to work to cover themselves. But what they could not do was complete the work. What they did was not good enough. They couldn't forgive themselves. They couldn't redeem themselves. And they couldn't save themselves. And they could not cover their sins. But God looked down and saw that they were not just running around in their sin and their shame. They had a heart that said, we may have sinned, but we still want to be covered before God. They were making every effort to once again draw near to God. When the Bible says when God came down to walk with Adam in the cool of the evening, he says, Adam, where are you at? And Adam says, here I am, Lord. He could have tried to hide. He knew that they had sinned. He knew the situation. That, but he said, here I am, Lord. I'm willing to submit myself to whatever that you have, whatever judgment you've placed upon me. You said we would die. If that's the case, here I am, Lord. How submitted and how willing are we to receive the teaching of grace this morning? The New Testament commandment we have is given in the book of James. And James tells us to submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your heart, ye double-minded. I'm here to tell you, you cannot do it on your own. You can't do any of those things that James commands us to do on your own. You can't learn any of that on your own. But I'm telling you, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost this morning, when you've got the God of creation living inside of you that can teach us and, and speak into our lives and help us to change those things, if we don't have a teachable spirit, we have made the presence of God in our life of none effect. It has no power and no authority. It can't cover our sins. It can't change us. It can't move us. It can't keep us. It can't save us. 
unless we are willing to be submitted to the work that grace is trying to do in our lives. Hallelujah. 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 The solution that grace provided Noah, it involved preaching righteousness, separation from the world, and entrance into the ark. You cannot cover your sin and shame on your own because it requires a blood sacrifice. Grace for Adam and Eve was undeserved. It brought a covering, but it was also their teacher because grace required them to make an effort to draw near to Him. Grace taught them that blood sacrifice which they taught to their children. The attitude of Cain symbolizes the pretty much the modern line of, of, of our popular thought, if you will, concerning grace. Cain's attitude was, I'll give to God as long as I get to choose what to offer. I'll give it to God as long as I get... I'll live for God as long as I can do it my way. I'm going to find a church that lets me do what I want and live how I want and be how I want to be because He knows my heart. But Cain's attitude led to a desire to kill his brother. And simply because that he was setting a higher standard for sacrifice than Cain was comfortable with. Come on, somebody. That's why the world hates us apostolics the way that they do. Because we are called to a greater level of sacrifice. And the world don't want to give what is required. We're called to a higher level. Abel and Cain both were called to a higher level. But Abel didn't set the standard. All right, the standard was set years ago. It was taught to them. God set the standard when He covered the shame of Adam and Eve with the skin of a slain animal. He said, you sinned. Something has to die. When we sin, something has to die. And it has to be me. It has to be you. You can't continue to live the way you did yesterday. You want freedom? You want change? Hallelujah. Somebody needs to, to lay down their life today and be willing to die. Say, I, I don't want to be this person anymore. I don't want to live this life anymore. Hallelujah. The modern attitude says, I, I want grace as long as it will not cost me. I don't want it to cost me or change me or disrupt my comfort level. That's the spirit of Cain. Still in this world. And grace is going to cost you some things. Grace is going to cost you your old sinful life. And grace is going to turn you away from the world and become your teacher. If grace is not adding godliness to your life, it's not grace. It's the devil that's perverting a powerful Bible term just to help you justify a cycle of sin in your life. I made a mistake. Well, grace will cover it. No, grace is trying to teach you to not make that mistake. 
The presence of God is trying to teach you not to make that mistake. The preached Word of God is trying to warn you. The preached Word of God is grace standing on a mountain screaming, don't do that and and stay away from those things and, and lay those things down. That's grace trying to teach us. That's not grace sweeping it under the rug. Hallelujah. If what we call grace is not calling us higher and requiring more of us and teaching us that what we do and say needs to line up with God's Word, it's not grace. And there are those, and and I've heard it said many times in my life, I'm going to tell you, you talk about an eye-opener. Studying for this lesson was an eye-opener for me. But there are those who contrast God's grace in the New Testament and God's law in the Old Testament. And I'm here to tell you that God's grace is not the opposite of God's law. The Bible says in Galatians 3.24, says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So if we're justified by faith and saved by grace through faith, justification simply means to be made just or right or righteous. Okay, So how can our faith make us righteous? Y'all with me? Did I lose you right there? Okay. It's through the teacher of grace that writes on the tablets of our heart. All right? We don't have to have a a, a tablet. Yes, we have the Word of God. Yes, it tells us how to live. But I'm going to tell you right now, if something happened and they came through and burnt every Bible in the country, would you have enough God living inside of you to still be able to deny ungodliness? Would you have enough Christ living inside of you to still be able to live for Him? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We don't have to have. I I want the Word of God. Please don't misunderstand me. But we don't have to have it written on stone anymore. Yes, I I, I like going in places and seeing the Ten Commandments up there. Yes, I do. But grace did not do away from those things. Grace simply wrote them in our heart. The law, you see, was the minimum requirement that brought us into a pursuit of perfection. Are y'all with me? We can only achieve this perfection through faith in God and allowing grace to teach us all things. Grace will teach us all things regarding righteousness. I promise you, I, I promise you with every, I know for a fact, If you are seeking the Lord, if you are putting your life, I mean, on the line every day, if you're you're living a life of repentance, you're finding Him in His Word, you're praying, you're seeking Him, I promise you, even if you've never heard it preached, you'll try to do some things or you'll say some things or, or you'll be in situations that your Holy Ghost will not like it. All right? It ain't gonna like it. And that is grace working in your life, trying to keep you and prevent you from falling into ungodliness and worldly lusts. God's law was not the opposite of grace, but in fact, God's law was the Old Testament manifestation of God's grace. The law kept them separate. That's what grace does. The law kept them safe from ungodly influence. That's what grace does. The law taught them the the principles of godliness, and that's what grace does. 
when the work of grace begins. And, and we've all been in that situation. We've all been there. Every one of us, I promise you, the day that you fell on an altar and, and God filled you with his spirit and you walked away from here changed, there, you began to, to understand, you began to feel things that you hadn't felt before. God began to speak to you in a way that you'd, you'd never felt before. And, and the things that you used to do, you just wasn't comfortable doing them. And maybe we ignored it. Maybe we kind of, kind of, you know, ah, oh, well, that's, you know, that can't be God. I've been doing this for a long time. It's not hurting anybody. We don't, I don't, I mean, that, that can't be God. And, and it's confusing for us at first because we've lived our whole life not listening to God. And then in one moment, we think that we're going to all of a sudden recognize and, and hear everything that God says to us. That's why Paul said, I, I, I'm, I'm a failure because of all the sinners. I'm cheap because the things that I, I know I should do, I don't do. And the things that I, I know that I'm not supposed to do, sometimes that's, that's what I do. Paul wasn't saying he was perfect. Paul wasn't saying that he heard every murmur that the Lord spoke to him. Paul was just saying that I, I'm willing to be taught. I, I'm willing to be obedient to what God is trying to show me. Grace orders our footsteps and it changes our attitude because grace is a teacher. Uh, through the power of the Holy Ghost, grace empowers you to face, my goodness, the trials and the tests that God allows into your life to strengthen you because grace is a teacher. Hallelujah. I want to have a teachable spirit this morning. I don't know about you, but there, there's been times in my life, and I, I'm not going to even stand up here and, and uh, try to hide. When I first came to the Lord, I was a mess. I had lived how I wanted for 17 years, well, longer than that, but for sure for 17 years, as long as I was out on my own. That was a lot of changes to be made. And he's still changing me. He's still teaching me and, and removing things from my life and, and helping my bad attitude. The pastor said amen. <laughs> but I still find myself, there's still days where the things of this world get to me more than they do other days. And grace is that tapping on the shoulder. Don't say that. Don't, don't go there. Don't, you, you don't need to be involved in that conversation. You, you, don't, you don't need to be involved in those things. You, you don't need to put yourself in that position. That's grace. I, I, can't, I can't stress it enough how terrible, and I'm just going to put it, how terrible that the world defines grace. Because really, honest to goodness, I've heard it, and not necessarily from apostolic Preachers, because we, we speak about grace, but I've never heard anyone really break down grace and then tell us what it is. I mean, we, we sing songs about it, Amazing Grace, and, and that, uh, the what is it, the beautiful kiss? What, is that what it is? The David Crowder song? If grace was an ocean, we're all drowning. All right, and I've said it before that, that if we picture grace as, you know, the ocean, the only way, I mean, there's plenty of water there for everybody to get wet. But the only way that you can be covered by grace is if you get in the water. 
All right? And, and that does still apply because the only way that grace can, can help us and teach us is if we're willing to be submitted to it. If we put ourselves in a position to be taught and, and, and to be willing to submit, it's a hard thing to do. It is a hard thing to do. I mean, our first reaction, when we come, our first reaction to anything that happens, I'm ready to throw hands. I mean, when I came, first came to the Lord, whew, Lord have mercy. I come from that lifestyle where I was ready to fight every day. I, I loved it. I wanted to fight. I wanted somebody to say something. And then when I came to the Lord, those things were, were no longer acceptable. And so how did grace teach me that? It put me in positions constantly to where I had to address it and deal with it. I made mistakes. It put me in positions where I was confronted with that and I, I reacted wrong and then it went sideways. And I didn't have nobody to blame but myself. And thankfully, because, and I, again, I'm not putting myself on any kind of pedestal, but because I had a teachable spirit, I wanted this thing. I wanted to live for God. God was able to then show me in my prayer time, this is why this went crazy. Because of your reaction. That's grace. Grace didn't pat me on the back and say, you know, it, it's okay. It, it's okay that you did that. I, I'll take care of it. You did your best. That's not how grace works. Grace is calling us higher. If all it does is cover what we've done, then it keeps us at the same level. If that's all it does is, is sweep your problems and, and cover all your shortcomings, if it just sweeps them under the rug, then we receive no change from it. I have not seen anybody asleep this morning. That is a good sign. I mean, that's a good, that's a good sign. All right. <clears throat> I didn't have to scream Jesus real loud, not even one time. <laughs> there are lots of things we can learn from the world. I mean, we, get, we send our kids to school, unfortunately, but that, that's all going to change before too long. Somebody say amen. We're going to be sending them to a Christian school right here in Radford. Hallelujah. I speak that in faith. Hallelujah. I don't want our kids learning about ungodliness and unrighteousness. I don't want them learning the things that the world's trying to push on our children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because we have the real thing. We absolutely have the real thing, the real teacher that can put our feet on gold, but only if we're teachable and obedient. Stop turning away when God tries to convict you of something. Stop resisting. Stop planting. I heard a, a preacher say it, Lord have mercy. It sounds terrible, but he said it this week. I'm going to say it. He said, we don't need a church full of pew pimples. Yeah, that's not what we need. We need people that are willing to change. None of us are where we need to be. None of us. I promise you the minute that pastor says he don't need any more change, that he's made enough changes and he's right where... The minute that he says that, I promise you one thing, this church will fall apart. And I know that's a lot of pressure on, on a pastor. I know it is. But I know our pastor has a teachable spirit. 
He, he's willing, whatever God reveals to him. And, and so does, does Sister Hall. I mean, they, they have a, their entire family has a spirit that's, that's willing to serve and be obedient to wherever. I mean, Lord of mercy, they had it made in Tennessee and left everything. Why? Because grace was teaching them. Grace was leading them into something higher. Grace will not keep you at the same level that you were. Hallelujah. And I promise you, I, I know that uh, I'm not saying he wasn't where he needed to be when they left Tennessee, but I promise you, he's, him and his family are closer to God today than they were when they moved to Virginia. Why is that? Because they were willing to be taught and willing to be obedient to the Spirit and the presence of God as it began to teach them all things they needed to know. God's not going to, you know, grace is not going to teach you to sail a boat if you run a landscaping business. I mean, I'm, I know that's kind of out, but you, you, you understand what I'm saying. Grace is not going to teach you useless things, things that you'll never need. Grace is going to teach you how to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. As, they, as the musicians come, if you stand to your feet this morning, we have the real thing. I want to be teachable. I want to be obedient to the Word of God. I want to be obedient. I want to be sensitive to that conviction. I don't want to just sit there and reject the presence of God that, that's trying to draw me to change. I, I don't want to do that. When I feel God calling me, I don't care what you look at. I don't care if you think I'm crazy. I don't care if you think I jump too much and clap too much and sing too loud. I don't care. I want to respond. I want to be teachable. And as we're standing here this morning, I truly hope that I haven't confused you. I hope that, that I've helped you this morning understand that grace is not to cover your sins. Please, if you want more scripture, I've got tons more scripture that can prove what I'm telling you. Grace is not to help you cover your sins. But grace is the Holy Ghost convicting you and tugging at your heart and, and reaching for you and trying to bring you into that perfect creation. That we're called to be. God did not call anybody in this building to be mediocre. He didn't call anybody in this place to halfway live for Him. And if you feel like that you are halfway living for Him and that you're struggling in every area of your life, and we understand if you want to struggle, halfway live for God. So if you're struggling, we need to have that teachable spirit. We need to fall on an altar and say, Lord, search my heart. Know my cause. Know me. Know if there be any wicked thing in me. We need to be willing to put it on an altar and say, God, I'm willing to learn whatever you want to teach me. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to hear. I'm willing to be obedient to your word in every area of my life. There is no area, there is no place in your life that can be off limits to God. No place. Not in your bedroom at home when nobody else can see you. Not at work when you're all on your own. There's no area of your life that, that we can isolate from God. We need grace to teach us. We need grace to move in our life and, and show us how to remove all of those things because grace is a teacher. Hallelujah. Mercy. Mercy covers things. Mercy keeps us from having to endure things and, and, and deserve things. 
and grace teaches us not to deserve them. Hallelujah. Worship with them as they sing this morning. Hallelujah. Worship this morning. Worship. That, that's, that's grace teaching us that we need to worship Him. He is worthy. When you see people jumping around and, and, and worshiping the Lord and lifting their hands and, and weeping in the presence of God, that's them allowing grace to teach them some things. That's them allowing that power of conviction to work on them and to be broken before God and to be willing to be taught. Hallelujah. So worship Him this morning. Magnify Him today. In Jesus' name. First Apostolic Church of Rafford would like to thank you for joining our podcast today. We hope the word touched your heart and touched your soul. God bless and have a wonderful day.